man, that felt good, you saying all those nice things about me. You could <laughs> keep going a little longer if you want, but I appreciate it. And it, while I don't like enjoy being in front of people, I am super thankful for this opportunity, and I hope it's worth your time. I hope that God's glorified by it. And I was just realizing and thinking about what a cool stage in life you guys are at. Uh, you don't have a bedtime, and you don't have kids to go home. So I'm going to try to keep it short, but I know you don't have anywhere to go. So uh, you know, I am I'm going to try to keep it pretty short. But um, you guys really are at a cool place in life where decisions you make now will affect the trajectory of the rest of your life. And, uh, and that's exciting. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibility with that, too. Um, I, I'm going to just... Uh, share a little bit of part of my story tonight. And, um, you know, I was thinking with that uh, second song tonight, talking about God's creation and um, just how God's wisdom and beauty are displayed in his creation. And that is so true. Um, I'm one of those guys that likes looking up at the night sky and the moon, and I, you know, I'm probably kind of nerdy for that. But it does show God's greatness that he could hang the moon in the sky and push it at just the right speed to where if it were going any faster, it would go off into space and any slower, it would crash into the earth and kill us all. And, and not only that, but he takes the moon and the earth and puts it in orbit around the sun. And um, again, at just the right speed, as if it were given a push by someone that knew exactly what they were doing. And there's no other explanation for it other than that we have a brilliant creator. And, uh, and so as the earth is traveling around the sun and tilted on its axis, depending on how direct the sunlight is, that's what we get our seasons from. And that's what I want to talk about a little tonight, and that's seasons. And just like the earth has seasons of summer and winter and fall and spring. Our lives also have seasons. And, um, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about that. And it says, To everything there is a season, and, t- and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And um, you've probably heard that before. And I just want to make the point, to everything, there is a season. Um, and our lives, like I said, have seasons. Seasons where it seems like everything is going right. Um, times of, of growth and happiness and joy. And then there are seasons in our lives where things seem to be growing colder and maybe dying Seasons of rain and gloominess and, you know, winter times. And I know you guys are studying the life of Joseph and how he had integrity in, inver- in adversity. And um, 
He just went from one bad season to another in his life. There were, there were bright spots in it, but he went through a lot of trials. And, um, and I know we all have gone through seasons in here. And I just want to share one of those seasons for me. Um, it was the fall of 1997, which I know is a long time ago for you guys. Um, some of you may not even been alive then. Um, that makes me feel really old. Um, yeah, so that was uh, about 21 years ago, and I was 18 years old at the time. Um, in November of that year, November 2nd, actually, um, my family, my mom, I have two brothers and two sisters, and myself, we walked out of a hospital in Columbus uh, for the first time without my dad. And <clears throat> it was a Sunday morning, and we weren't in church like we usually were. We went, we went here to church. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, just minutes before walking out, we were gathered around my dad's bed um, as he took his last breaths. And as we walked out to the car, it was a cold and rainy Sunday morning, and the leaves that were brightly colored and falling off the trees, they were sticking to the wet uh, pavement. And what would have normally been a really beautiful time of year um, seemed extra gloomy and dark. It was, that was a tough day and a tough season. And I'll come back to that, but I want to back up a little bit before that, about 18 years before that, and just give you a little backstory. And um, like life is made up of seasons, to me it also feels like it's made up of snapshots and maybe short videos and in my mind. That's how I remember things. I don't have a great memory, but I remember little snapshots. And so I want to share just a few of those with you uh, my life growing up and then get back into that season and then what, what I've learned from it and what I, some things that I've seen come out of that um, for good. And so that's really what tonight is about. Um, and when Matt first asked me to share about this season in my life, I was nervous because I felt like I don't have a good memory and I can't, I can't even remember much from that time. It was a long time ago. Um, and typically what I tend to do is take old memories like that and I just kind of put them in a cardboard box and I write old memories on it and stick it in the corner of a basement and I don't, I don't think about them. And so this was, it was very good for me um, to go back and to relive it and, um, and to see, uh, like Matt said tonight, he was praying with me and he said, the cool thing about our stories is that they're nothing cool in themselves except that God is in them. Amen. And... Uh, I was like, man, that is so good that our stories are not that great except that God, he came into them. And that is awesome, that he would care about us, would know our name, and would intersect our lives like, like he does. Um, so, um, to the beginning, I was the second born child in our family. I have an older brother, Seth, and I don't remember much from before I was born, so I'm just gonna stick to <laughs> what, what came after that. Um, I have a younger brother, Paul, and younger twin sisters named Anne and Kristen. And uh, my parents were both Christians growing up, and for as long as I can remember, um, and they lived out their faith. They taught us about God and the Bible at home, and they brought us to church. Um, and I remember a few conversations vividly that I had with my dad. Some of them are snapshots, some of those short videos I was talking about, um, you know, and, and just little lessons that stuck with me even to this day. Um, 
Back in the day, the Indians had a player named Joey Bell. You may have heard of him. He got himself into a lot of trouble. And I remember driving down the road. A lot of these conversations were with my dad in the car. And he changed his name, Joey Bell did, to Albert Bell. And he was, my dad was telling me he's trying to turn over a new leaf in his life and get things together and get a new start. And he explained to me that that's not how it works. You don't change your name and try to turn over a new leaf. That when God changes your life, it's from the inside out and not from the outside in. So that's a little snapshot that I had. Um, and I, I forgot to mention that when I was growing up, um, I, was, I was really afraid of my dad um, because to me, he was, I mean, he was big, he was a strong guy, he was very intense, and uh, he could, you know, when he was angry, I remember him picking me up and looking eyeball to eyeball, and that was the scariest thing in my life. Um, I, was, I was really afraid of him, and um, actually, I don't have a lot of pictures, but I um, clipped one in here. Um, that's uh, my dad and me at the bottom and my older brother, Seth, kind of on top of me there. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, I have a lot of good memories of him, but I was, I was afraid of him. Um, and he could throw a baseball higher than anybody I knew when we'd play catch. It felt like it went up in the clouds. And uh, when I play with my boys now and I try to do that, I have good memories um, of, of doing that with him. And uh, <clears throat> so another um, conversation I can remember driving in the car again, um, and I can even remember, I know I have a visual memory because I can remember where we were on the road. And uh, he, he was a first-generation Christian. And his, uh, his parents, if they were Christians, they were not living it out. And so... Um, and he didn't get saved until he was in college. And so I remember him telling me, I, I worry about you because you don't know what it's like to be lost. And I know theologically we're all lost and, uh, you know, until we meet Christ. And I know, I know I was. I was selfish and I sinned just like everyone. Um, but I know what he was saying, that, um, you know, because he had lived so many years of his life um, apart from God, Man, his conversion was really real, and uh, I mean, his life did a 180. And so, I remember that conversation. Um, I I have a photo in my mind of coming down the stairs of our house early in the morning when it was still dark outside, and my dad would be sitting in his recliner with his Bible open on his lap and his head back and his eyes closed, and um, and I knew he was praying. At least I think he was. Maybe he was <laughs> sleeping, but. <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness, every morning, uh, he was up reading his Bible and praying, and I know, and that made a huge impact on me growing up, because it showed me that his relationship with God was the most important thing in his life, and, uh, and I want that, and I wanted that for me, too, and, uh, it really, um, I think was the biggest impact on me, uh, becoming a Christian is because, I saw it lived out in front of me every day, and, uh, and I wanted that. I wanted that relationship with God. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, and I know at work, his relationship with God was, was uh, on display, too. I, I still, in recent years, um, like I said, it was 21 years ago, just a few years ago, I ran into somebody that used to work with him at Express Packaging here in New Philly, and they told me, 
They said uh, he was somebody that I know, like there were a lot of people there that said they were Christians. I knew he was because he lived it out. And, um, and so I'm so blessed to have that kind of a heritage. And, um, and I don't take that for granted. Um, and Christy and I joke sometimes, my wife is here too, uh, Christy, and uh, she jokes when we start talking about my dad, and she's like, hey, I forgot he's perfect, you know. And, uh, and, and it's not true. We like to, I like to talk that way, but it's not true. Um, you know, our family started coming to First Baptist when I was in sixth grade, and um, like I said, I was afraid of my dad. And uh, <clears throat> they must have had some sort of men's meeting here where they were told to go home to their families and ask their kids and their wives, like, what do I need to work on? Where am I falling short? And I remember that conversation, and we all told him humbly, who we were like, you get angry really easy and, uh, and have a temper. And I think that really broke him that day. Um, and as a father now, um, you know, you don't want your kids to feel like you're always angry. And uh, the cool thing is, is, um, you know, he apologized to us that day, and we really um, saw a change in him moving forward. And as he would give more of his life um, to Christ and allow God to change him, and that means more to me than anything that God can like change somebody like that and uh, and remove anger and uh, yeah and another thing another snapshot I remember is um, he was a leader here and um, I respected him a ton and just like today after some services not today but Sundays um, there's a time you know where you can come down to the front and do business with God and. I can remember two or three times at least where he would do that, and I would, I had my eyes open like I shouldn't have, you know. But I thought to myself, I want to remember that because I don't ever want to be too proud to care what people think of me to where I can't, if God is working in my heart where I can't get out of my comfort zone and and, uh, do business with God. And that was the thing. Um, You know, church is a place to where if we're not careful, just like in the world, it can be all about us. Um, trying to achieve some level of respect or, uh, or whatever. And it's really, um, that's probably in a lot of ways more selfish than what we do in corporate America, you know, trying to climb the ladder. It's way more devilish and evil. And, um, and I know he was a great example of it's just it's just him and God. It's not it's not everybody else. And uh, man, I could go I could go on and on. I realized I have more memories than I than I realized. And um, you know, uh, yeah, I'll get into this at the end. Um, there was a a time in my senior year in high school, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and I still don't know, you know, but. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do the next year, and uh, so I asked him about it, and he opened up his Bible and took me to Psalm 37, and we have it on the screen here, and it says, trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed, 
And then verse four, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So the message of that is, just delight yourself in the Lord. When you don't know what, what the future holds or what you're supposed to do, don't worry about it. Just delight yourself in the Lord. Make him your life and your passion, your one thing. And then it says, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that doesn't mean, he explained to me, that God will give you whatever your heart wants, that he'll give you everything you want. And, I mean, my wife jokes that it wasn't long after that that I started dating her, and she's the desire of my heart, right? (laughs) Um, But what it is saying is, if you delight yourself in the Lord, you make him your future, your life, your everything, he'll give you his heart. He'll give you, he'll put desires in your heart, um, and you, the future will take care of itself. You just, you long after him and make him your life. And um, so that was my senior year, and uh, moving into the fall of that year, um, it was probably September of that year when, uh, I can't remember the details, but he started having issues with his eyesight and having some headaches and stuff and went to the doctor to get it checked out. And um, I mean, he's a healthy uh, man all his life. Um, and he also noticed he had a, a little bump on the back of his head that was growing. So he went to the doctor, they ran some tests, and they found out it was cancer. And um, uh, it was uh, melanoma skin cancer. And it, was, uh, it began with a mole that was in the back of his head that um, you know, became cancerous and started growing. And it was you know, under his hair, so you couldn't see it and, uh, and didn't catch it. And this just tells you how naive I was at the time, or maybe dumbly optimistic. When I found out it was cancer, I thought, oh, good, it's just cancer, you know. Uh, I had an aunt that had cancer, and I don't remember what kind, but she, you know, had chemo and uh, some radiation and stuff, and it went in remission, and she was fine. And so I thought, oh, good, we'll be, this is great, we'll be, we'll be fine. And um, they did some more tests and found out that, you know, the prognosis was not good. That this was a very aggressive kind of cancer, um, and it had already started to spread to the lymph nodes, and so there was really nothing they could do for it. And um, I can remember the night that we found that out. Uh, we had borrowed uh, my grandparents' old pickup truck, and so I was returning it to their house and uh, driving west out to um, Holmes County, and the sun was setting in front of me, and the windshield was dirty, and so I couldn't see very well, and I was realizing the gravity of that, and I was tearing up, and just couldn't see well, and uh, I made it fine, you know, but I remember thinking, man, this is not fair, and isn't there something they can do? And we start having all those kinds of questions when we, um, when, uh, when we go find ourselves in those seasons in life, and um, and God's big enough to handle those questions, and he wants us to bring those to him, um, by the way. And as much as my dad taught me about in his life, I think he taught me even more in the way that he died and in his death. And um, I know it couldn't have been easier for of a guy who's 45 years old to, to hear that he's going to die, um, but I never saw him complain. Instead, he said things like, well, this is, this is going to be an adventure, and I've never done this before. And, um, and just that um, positivity, and I know it was because of his relationship with the Lord, um, 
but that made a big impact on me. Um, you know, a lot of men, when they reach their mid-40s, they start, you know, they get into their own kind of crisis, um, start, they realize maybe that they're starting to break down, and so, you know, we try to get in good shape, and we want to get that car that we never got, and, um, but as he got close to that time in his life, um, you know, I know he just wanted to be with us, and, and it was tough for him, but he was honestly excited to go see Jesus. Um, uh, it, and it felt like, you know, just as real as we are right here, right now, we are going, like, he realized, I'm going to see Jesus soon, and actually got excited about that. Um, and, like, they came in one of the last days um, before he passed away, the nurse came in to shave him, and he was telling her, like, no, don't even worry about that. I'm, like, I'm going to see Jesus soon. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to have a glorified body. Um, and he was excited about it. Uh, we spent a lot of days at the hospital at that time, and, uh, but it was, it was just a short period. But between, um, or he found out he had cancer, and within four weeks, he passed away. Um, it, was, it was a quick thing. Um, so I can remember that day, that uh, Sunday morning, that rainy Sunday morning in, uh, in November. We were standing around his bed, um, and I don't want to be gross, but like he was sleeping and he wasn't going to wake back up. It was, it was right at the end. And when you're at that point in life, they, they call it like the death rattle, and it's when like your body starts to fill up with fluids and uh, it makes a sound that your body doesn't like, it's like a gurgling that you, you don't make at any time in your life. And so we're standing around um, waiting and my mom was telling us, you know, that there was a song that really meant a lot to him while he was in the hospital. So we stood around, we put that song on. We don't have time to play it tonight, but I copied the lyrics here and I just want to read some of them to you. It was called The Anchor Holds. And um, the words say, I have journeyed through the long dark night out on the open sea by faith alone, sight unknown, and yet his eyes are watching me. And then the chorus says, the anchor holds though the ship is battered, the anchor holds though the sails are torn, I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. And it goes on, um, uh, one of the verses says, um, <clears throat> you know, I've been young, but I'm older now, and there has been beauty these eyes have seen. But it was in the night, through the storms of my life, that's where God proved his love for me. And then goes into the anchor holds um, in spite of the storm. And, uh, and that song, even to this day, man, it brings me right back. It's crazy how things like that can take you take you right back. And, you know, we have seasons in life. We also have storms in life. And the great thing is that we have an anchor. And that is, that song is based out of Hebrews 6, 19, which says, and it's talking about Jesus Christ. It says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in to that within the veil. So we have an anchor for our soul that, um, that tethers our soul even in the, the worst of, of storms. Um, he is our hope. He's our anchor. And so in just wrapping it up and thinking about 
that season in my life, that storm, um, I want to just try to bring some meaning to it and, and think about, um, you know, it's a dangerous thing, I believe, to tell someone in their suffering, like, I, I know it's the right thing uh, that God is working all things together for good. Sometimes in the midst of it, that's, we just want, we need someone to just be with us and not try to tell us all the answers, although that is true. Um, and it's also dangerous to say, hey, here's what God's doing. Um, so sometimes we go through tests and trials and we wonder where God is. And we say, what are you trying to do in this? And are you even here? Like, are you busy with something else that you're missing? What's happening here? And I recently read um, this verse and it, and it took on a new meaning uh, thinking about this. And it's Genesis 22. And it's the familiar story of when Abraham is leading his only son up the mountain to, uh, to sacrifice his son. And Isaac doesn't know what's coming. And so in verse 6, it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And you know that this is such a perfect picture of Jesus Christ, that he has the wood on his back, the cross, uh, you know, the instrument of his execution. And, uh, I mean, Isaac didn't know that, obviously. He didn't know what was coming. And he laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went forth, both of them together, up the mountain. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. That's all he said, my father. And, uh, and he, Abraham, said, here am I, my son. And, you know, Isaac didn't know how it was going to end. He was, he thought, this feels weird. It feels a little, a little strange where, like, feels like I might be the sacrifice here. And so he says, my father, and Abraham says, here am I. Like, I'm right here. Um, and while we might feel like God isn't with us in the storms or in the trials, he is. He's right with us. And, um, Another illustration that I like is um, we recently were reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with our kids, and um, there's this part of the story where, okay, so the, if you don't know, the children end up in this land of Narnia, and, uh, and they're talking with some animals, some beavers, and the, uh, the whole land is in a state of winter, okay? So winter season is ruled by a wicked witch. It used to be you know, summertime, when she took over, the whole, the whole land went into a winter time. Um, and the beaver begins to tell these kids, he says, Aslan is on the move. And the kids, they don't know who Aslan is. And the beaver goes on to tell them about Aslan, and he says, he's the king. Uh, he's the lord of the whole wood. But not often here, you understand. Never in my time or my father's time, but the word has reached us that he's come back. He's in Narnia at this moment. And Lucy, one of the girls, says, is, is he a man? And the beaver says, Aslan a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And then, of course, uh, Susan and Lucy, her sister, ask, they say, is the lion safe? To which the beaver answers, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. 
He's the king, I tell you. And if you can't draw the parallel between, the Bible says that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a lion. And, uh, and the girls ask, is he safe? And he's not, he's not safe. Of course he's not. Uh, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And God is a consuming fire. And he's awesome and powerful. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's safe to be close to him, right? But, but it's not safe. And it says, but he's good. And, uh, and so, you know, like the disciples in the boat with Jesus, in the midst of the storm, um, it's not safe, but God is good. And uh, um, let's see, he's good. And like I mentioned, he does promise to work all things together for good. And so, man, I hate being Debbie Downer. So I want to bring, bring it to the good. Um, and the great thing about God, and in our lives really too, is um, just like a song that has ups and downs and, uh, you know, crescendos and um, that's how our life is. If it were always mountaintop experiences, really what good would that be? Um, and the dark times make the bright times that much better. Um, and God does work all things together for good. The thing is, it's maybe not in the way we would think he should and maybe not in our time that we think he should. And so, what are some good things that have come out of that season? Um, you know, uh, I feel like I, for, yeah, I was going to mention, and, and when I see your faces too, I, I realize this, that, okay, so this was a tough time for me, but I know you guys, we could go around the room, pass a mic around, and you guys could share your seasons of heaviness that you've gone through. Um, it could be abuse, it could be a divorce, um, which I think in a lot of ways could be worse than a death. And um, like I said, abuse, neglect, um, a loss of, you know, of, of something or someone close to you. I don't have the corner of the market on pain or suffering. And that's an important lesson I learned to not, oh, woe is me, I had this thing happen to me. Um, because I look around the room and honestly, uh, there are many of you that have had darker seasons than me. And so I want to let you know, I know that. Like, I, I don't have, the, have this, uh, you know, suffering that you, you guys don't know about. Um, so what have, what have I learned from this? Number one, I've learned to seek my heavenly father. There are times when I think, man, it would be nice to ask my dad about this to get his opinion. But I know what he'd say. I know he'd say, you have a heavenly father, you know, and you have his word. You have everything you need there, so go to him. Um, I know he'd say, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Don't worry about the future, what you're supposed to do. Make your passion, your desire, your life, delight yourself in the Lord. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, it's made me make my faith um, personal, my walk with God personal, not um, you know, just because it's what, what everybody's doing. Um, and then there have, there's honestly been some fruit, um, as a result of that season in our life. Um, I've kind of purposed in my heart that even when it happened and I was in high school, I thought, anytime this comes up, I want God to get glory. You know, I want to, I want to talk about how he's in heaven. I want to talk about the hope 
that we have in Christ and use that situation to bring God glory and to tell others about um, the hope we have. And so, um, like, I had a friend in high school around that time. I got to know him. His name's Derek, and um, some of you probably know him. Uh, but we had a study hall together, and we got talking, and, um, you know, at that time, our family started going through this, and um, he was able, I think I even wrote a paper in high school for English or something talking about this, and he saw me writing it and asked if he could read it, and, uh, and so that was a great open door, and I was able to invite him uh, to our youth camp, and he came, and he heard the gospel, and at that, it was a winter retreat that year, um, and he gave his life to Christ, and um, I feel like, um, man, I, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, I hate being emotional, um, but uh, I feel like um, that's worth it, you know, um, that, uh, and I feel like that would um, make my dad so happy that because of that, um, you know, somebody else is their eternities. <coughs> Man, I'm sorry. Uh, their eternity is changed, and he's, you know, one of my best friends, and uh, he's my brother-in-law. Um, I'm stuck with him, but uh, but I'm so thankful for that. And I was thinking, too, um, my mom ended up getting remarried, and um, with that came some step-siblings, and you guys probably know um, Aaron Rothel. She's my stepsister, and so, and she lived in Cincinnati, and now she's here because of that, you know, and uh, I don't think she would have met Steve if, uh, if that hadn't happened, and, you know, good for her, right, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but now there's Cruz and Cohen, and a lot of energy in the world uh, because of those kids, but, you know, it's cool to see that, that um, I've heard somebody say that, you know, yeah, uh, I'll skip that. But, and then even just recently, a couple weeks ago, um, I was in Sugar Creek, my old town, and there was a, a girl that went to high school with me, and um, I ran into her at a pizza place, and she said, hey, I'm glad I get to see you because um, she's actually, um, her and her husband are serving in a church in Texas, and uh, she said, I've told a lot of girls in that church my story, and, uh, but I've never told you guys. And she said, I want you to know that you and Derek have a part in that story. And uh, she said, she was good friends with my brother-in-law, Derek, in high school. And she said, I, you know, became a Christian as a young girl, but my walk with God was not, not good. I wasn't, I wasn't following him um, like I should and when I saw Derek's life change, I realized that something needed to change in me. And so, and she, you know, like, I don't know what the word would be, like rededicated, you know, got her life right with Christ because of that. And I was just blown away that um, to this day that there is still fruit coming from that hardship. If we'll just take, you know, the adversity, the storms in our life, um, and, you know, have the honest heart to, God, if there's a way that you can get glory from this, do it, you know, and, uh, and even tonight, I, man, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, <laughs> I, 
I, I hope that in some way, the story, my story, like Matt was saying, it's nothing special. You guys, have, you guys know what it's like to go through um, dark times. But the awesome thing about our story is that God intersects our story, and he can make something good out of it. And, you know, he does work th- all things together for good. It may not be in our time, and it may not be in the way we would. Um, and like we saw, man, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's not safe, but he is good. And he, as the book says, he's on the move. He's working. And even though we're in wintertime in this world, um, man, the day is coming. He's going to take his rightful throne. And, and in the darkness, in the wintertime, he's working things together for good. And, and he's not interested in us getting all the answers of why is this happening? Why do I have to go through this? He just wants to know if we trust him. And if we had all the answers, we wouldn't have to trust him. And uh, so I hope, um, I don't know how to tie this up, but, and maybe that's um, a good place to leave it, is that um, we don't know all the answers. We don't, we don't, I mean, to me, I mean, those are some great positive outcomes of how God has taken it and worked it together for good. Um, but you guys, you, the sufferings that you go through, you may, if you will seek to give God glory in it, you may not know what fruit will come of that even in this lifetime. Not in, in the time that you think or in the way that you think. Um, man, God can work above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine or think. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you. Um, it's my story. It's all I got. Um, but thanks for listening. Um, I'll turn it back over to Matt. So. <clears throat>